0: Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, October 9th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Israel is gearing up for a long conflict with Hamas, and Germany's conservative parties celebrated big wins in regional elections on Sunday. Plus, just how worried should workers be about the green transition?
1: Clearly, the green transition is generating a lot of jobs. But you have to remember that jobs are also being lost because the old sort of fossil fuel industries are having to be mothballed.
0: I'm Mark Filippino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said over the weekend that his country now faces a long and difficult war with Hamas. An unprecedented assault from the Gaza Strip hit multiple sites across Israel over the weekend. Israel has since responded, and now more than a 1,000 people are dead. Here to talk to us about the unrest is the FT's Middle East editor, Andrew England. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Uh, Andrew, walk us through what happened.
2: Okay, at dawn on Saturday morning, around about 6, 6.30 a.m., Hamas, the Islamist Palestinian militant movement that controls Gaza, the Gaza Strip, launched a brazen, multi-pronged attack across the border of Gaza into southern Israel. It began with rocket fire into Israel. And then Hamas militants on paragliders, on motorbikes, on foot, uh, went over the border and attacked Israeli military checkpoints and Israeli civilian homes in southern Israel in what is arguably the largest, deadliest attack inside Israel since the state's founding In 1948, Israel has responded by launching airstrikes against the Gaza Strip, which is densely populated and home to 2 million people. So we're dealing with something that we haven't seen before on this scale. Now, did this come out of nowhere? I mean, what's the backdrop here? I think, well, clearly, Israel was caught off guard. I mean, Israeli security analysts are already talking of uh, a massive intelligence failure by Israel, which prides itself on the strength and effectiveness of its security apparatus. Now, in Israel, over the past year, year and a half, we've seen escalating violence in the West Bank, uh, the occupied Palestinian territory. And in Israel, you have the most hardline government, far right government in its history. After Benjamin Netanyahu won elections last year and formed a coalition with religious Zionist parties. But no one saw this coming. It really is Israel's worst nightmare. So how is Israel looking to respond then? Still early to say, I think the consensus among Israeli analysts is Israel will have to respond particularly robustly. They will want to crush Hamas after such a Graphic and brutal attack on Israeli soil. So people are talking about the possibility of a land invasion into Gaza. The last time Israel did that was in 2014. Then the question is, if that happens, how deep and how far does it go? It creates huge destruction in the Gaza Strip, which, as I said, is home to 2 million people living in poverty. So the destruction in civilian casualty is always extremely high. So we're looking at more violence. We're looking at more conflict. I guess what everybody's waiting to see now is how long it lasts and on what scale.
0: Yeah, the scale is important here. I mean, what are the wider concerns for the region here, Andrew?
2: Well, the the great fear is that this creates a, a broader conflict. To Israel's north on the border with Lebanon, you have Hezbollah, the powerful Lebanese militant group backed by Iran. It's far larger and far more sophisticated than Hamas. It fought a month-long war with Israel in 2006. If, and there's a big if, it's still an if, if Hezbollah does get involved, Israel would retaliate against Lebanon. And of course, if you start to have a broader regional conflict, then you start to bring in regional actors. And then, you know, all bets are off. Where does it go? How serious does it become?
0: That's Andrew England, the FT's Middle East editor. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you very much, Mark. Some voters in Germany are unsatisfied with Chancellor Olaf Scholz's government. Germany held regional elections yesterday. Exit polls showed that the main conservative opposition parties won both Bavaria and Hesse. What's more is the far-right alternative for Deutschland party gained a strong showing. Sections of the AfD have been designated extremist by German intelligence. The overall outcome from the election underscores how unpopular Schultz's coalition government is. It's made up of his social Democrats, Greens, and liberal free Democrats. And voters are unsatisfied with how these parties are handling issues like migration, inflation, and high energy costs. U.S. President Joe Biden is pushing a green transition. And his big selling point is that going green will bring manufacturing jobs back home to America. I've long said, when I think climate, not a joke, I think jobs. I think jobs. Biden and other politicians claim that green technologies will create the employment of the future. But is the road to net zero really paved with jobs? FT columnist Sarah O'Connor has been looking into this question and she joins me now. Hey, Sarah.
1: Hey, how you doing?
0: I'm doing all right. So, Sarah, how are economists and public officials talking about the green transition as it relates to jobs?
1: Yeah, so the narrative from politicians is very much that the green transition will also create jobs. And specifically, you know, jobs in places that need jobs. So there's a story being told by Joe Biden, but also by others, including politicians here in the UK, that green jobs could go to the places that got kind of hollowed out by deindustrialization since the 1980s. And so, you know, you can kind of kill two birds with one stone. That's the story that's being told. You can green the economy and you can also repair some of the damage that was done over the last 30 years to left behind places.
0: Yeah, but is that actually the case?
1: I think the reality is more complicated and more difficult. So clearly, the green transition is generating a lot of jobs. I mean, you're certainly seeing that in the US, where Biden's Inflation Reduction Act is, you know, incentivizing lots of new factories to open up. So it's definitely true that jobs are being created. But you have to remember that, that jobs are also being lost because the old sort of fossil fuel industries are, you know, having to be mothballed, and those jobs were often really good jobs. You know, jobs that were unionized, that had very good rates of pay. And it's not clear yet that it will be so easy to help those workers make this transition.
0: Yeah, I mean, just look at what's going on with the United Auto Workers Strike going on in the US. It's a clear example of how a traditional non-green industry and the workers in it are concerned about the green transition.
1: Yeah, because electric vehicles, you know, they require fewer workers to make them. They don't They don't have as many parts. And not just that, you know, if you think about what happens after a vehicle has been made and sold in the so-called aftermarket, they require less maintenance. You know, the estimates are like roughly 50% less maintenance. So that's going to have big implications for all of the car mechanics out there um, who currently rely on uh, repairing vehicles. The same is true in lots of these industries that actually as they transition to something that's greener, often that technology is less labor intensive, which fundamentally means like fewer workers overall. So I think that's a a big challenge that we're only really starting to see the kind of on-the-ground effects of.
0: This transition to cleaner energy sources, I mean, it, it does need to happen, right? So how should policymakers approach it?
1: The best way to do it is to basically do it with the workers or representatives of the workers around the table. So you can think about ways of decarbonizing industries that don 't have such bad effects on jobs, or that make sure that there is retraining that 's going in before the plant closes or the industry closes, you know being proactive about it, there are interesting things going on in Germany where one of the big unions for steel workers has decided to bargain for a four day week for its steel workers, so you know they 're tying that into the green transition they 're saying, look, we understand that as steel plants shift to green steel, there will be less requirement for labor, that doesn't necessarily mean there could be less jobs, fewer jobs. You know, it could just mean that everyone works a bit less. And actually, that might be a transition that is beneficial for everyone. So I think there are ways of doing it. But the key thing is probably to make sure that workers have a voice in that conversation.
0: Sarah O'Connor is the FT's employment columnist. Thanks, Sarah.
1: Thank you.
0: Before we go, you know that the FT News briefing is free. Maybe that's why you like it. But what if access to FT.com was cheaper? Like 50% cheaper. Go to FT.com slash briefing sale to get half off a standard digital subscription. Again, that's FT.com slash briefing sale. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. This has been your daily FT news briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news.